just laugh. Father, we just thank you because you and you alone are God. Father, you're the only one whose opinion matters. You're the only one whose will matters. And so, Spirit of the Lord, I pray that you, today, God, you would speak into our hearts. God, that you would turn on the searchlight from heaven and that you would shine it into the deepest, dark, darkest parts of us. And Father, everything that you find in us that is not like you, remove it in Jesus' name. And we thank you in advance, God, for your deliverance. We thank you in advance for your healing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give him some praise? Hallelujah. Somebody say the word of God. How many believe the word of God changes things? Do you believe it, church? You know, uh, people ask me all the time, well, Pastor JR, are you going to preach the same thing you preached in the first service? The, the, it's, it's kind of a complicated answer, but it's, it's really yes. <laughs> and that's the answer because it always comes out different. I've, I've never been, I mean, some pastors can do it. I'm not, I'm not a professional pastor. I don't think we have any quote unquote professional pastors on staff. We just can't do it. Sometimes you just got to go where the spirit is leading. And sometimes that makes us feel uncomfortable. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Landmine. <laughs> Turn left. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but sometimes that makes us as people feel uncomfortable. But we have to trust in the Lord and know that what he wants for our life is perfect and it is good. Amen. And so the word of God, the Bible says, is quick and powerful. And when we get into the word of God and we allow the word of God to get on the inside of us and we begin to speak what the word of God says, how many know it changes things? I, I know I sound crazy. So I've been called a lot of names, old fashioned. I kind of laugh at that one. I've been an old soul for, for as long as I live. The Bible says to search for the old paths, and when you find them, walk therein. Saints, search for the ancient paths, and when you find them, we're supposed to walk therein. Not everything has to be newfangled, newfound, new research. No, God is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. Are you with me? And we've got to understand that as a church. We've got to understand that as the body of Christ in America, there is so much pressure from the world to conform to what the world standards are. Well, you know, pastor, if you don't preach like this, then the people won't fill the seats. Well, if you know, pastor, if you preach this long, then the people won't fill the seats because the people don't want to sit. Let me tell you something. Oh, can we just be honest this morning? I saw some of us out in costume for, for Lord of the Rings. I saw some of us out in costume for the Avengers. Y'all put it on your Facebook. I seen you. I spied you with my eyes, they used to say. <laughs> that movie was three hours or some odd long. And in the end, nobody got saved. Always. But we've got to understand as the church, we've got to believe what we teach. We've got to believe what we preach. The word of God changes things. I love history. I love art. I'm pretty much a nerd. People actually, they ask me all the time. I just did it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, people will call me from out of state. Pastor JR, can you give us a tour of Washington, D.C.? And I've done it probably 25 times now because I'm such a history nerd. And I love it. But let me tell you something. 
History is the story, H-I-S-T-O-R-Y. History is his story. It's his story. And I want you to know that his story is determined by his word. And it's important that we as a church dive into the word of God because the word changes things. It doesn't matter what it looks like in your life right now. It doesn't matter what your circumstance is right now. We serve a God that was, that is, and is to come. So in three dimensions, we already have the victory and we're only living in one of them. Oh, come on. That was good. Preach, Pastor. J okay, I'm preaching. Amen. Sometimes you got to encourage yourself in the Lord. Amen. <laughs> but uh, as I was telling the first service this morning, you know, uh, the, when the word of God comes, I, I love it. You've heard me talk about this time and time and time again. I had, a, I had a nice, wonderful message planned today. I've been traveling for the last five weeks around this country. A couple, what, two weeks ago, I did like an eight-state eight tour. I'm telling you, I, I fell asleep in South Carolina and woke up in Alabama, still on the road. The Lord is good. And... Uh, I hired some, not hired, but I brought some help along. They're supposed to keep me awake. And I looked over in the drop. I'm not going to tell you who that was, but his initials are seven. But anyway, uh, but the word of God changes things. And this is important. This is why we need to get the word of God deep seated on the inside of us. And so I had this wonderful message planned out, and in the middle of the night, the Lord, the Lord changed it. And that's why I, I, I got Pastor joked on me this morning. I was like, how many resources you got? I said, I had to go back to the old-fashioned pen and paper. So if you want notes, if you can read in tongues and, or discernment, then you can have them. But uh, I want to talk to you today about going up to the high places. Going up to the high places. Now, now I know Ron Canoli... Y'all remember Ron Canoli? Yeah. We're going up to the high places. And then he would smile. We're going up to the high places. Yeah, okay, y'all remember, right? And so I want to talk about going up to the high places. And if you, uh, you just, just, just stay with me a little bit. We're going to have a little Old Testament survey. And so back in the book of Deuteronomy, um, God basically told the Israelites several times over. As a matter of fact, let's, let's go there. Or excuse me, Numbers. Let's go in the book of Numbers. Numbers 33, um, verse number 52. And let's do old church today. Let's do, let, let's, I need somebody to thunder from the crowd, that voice. We had an excellent thunderer. I tell you, he read that verse with authority this morning. I was like, ooh, glory, you need to preach. Anybody wants to bellow that out? Numbers 33, verse number 52. Now, y'all acting like my Sunday school class. Every morning they come in, who wants to lead us in prayer? Room full of intercessors. Everybody looking around like, huh? <laughs> come on, somebody thunder. Numbers 3352. Mm. Okay. Can you read? That was great. Thank you very much. Can you read verse number 55? Mm. So the Lord says, I'm giving you this land. I've given you the authority. I've given you the power. I've given you the resources to go and subdue the land. But I want you to know that there are some people there who are dwelling in your blessing. But do not believe them for their size. 
Do not believe them because they said, oh, there's giants there. Don't, don't be afraid of them. And I'm telling you today that if you do not drive them out, they're going to be a thorn in your side. It says uh, they're going to be, they're, they're going to be a pain in your eye. You ever, you ever been so mad your toes curl? You know what I'm saying? Y'all know if somebody walk in a room you don't like, and you're just like, you know? So that's what the Lord is saying. And he's saying, you need to tear down their high places. Everybody say the word high places. And so these are things that God, even in the book of Numbers, and let me tell you, the, the, the Bible is just, it's brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. There are things that God provided in the book of Deuteronomy and in the book of Numbers that didn't even take place to 1 Samuel. God said, I'm going to be your God. I'm going to be your king. And you're going to have me as a king. But one day, just in case you want a king, he's going to have to come from the tribe of... Isn't it crazy? So hundreds of years before they had a king, God had the law for the king, knowing that one day they would have a king. Not just any king. God said, if you want a king, I'm going to give you King Saul. You remember that? And so we start the story with King Saul. Saul was king. The Bible says that he was head and shoulders above every man. Now, I had a police sketch artist do the best rendition of Saul using some dirt. And I'm just kidding. All right. I don't know where that come from. But, uh, but God said, I'm going to give you a king that stands head and shoulders over every man. You know, he, Saul looked like he should be king. And so, unfortunately, Saul was only a king for a few chapters. And then in 1 Samuel 15, this verse is written, For the sin of rebellion is as of witchcraft. Saul showed up to church one day and said, said to Pastor Samuel, Pastor Samuel, I did that. Man, I've just been living in the week of victory. I did everything the Lord told me to do. And, and, and Samuel said, well, really, Saul, did you, did you really do everything the Lord told you to do? Because how is it that I hear in my ear the sound of the bleeding of sheep? And the, Lord, and the Lord spoke to Samuel and says, because you have rejected the word of the Lord today, so has the Lord rejected you from being king over Israel. Wow, God hired him, and in, what, four or five chapters later, God fired him. And so now we, uh, by the way, contrary to popular belief, David was technically the third king of Israel, because in between Saul and David, there was Isbosheth, but that didn't last very long, just a couple sentences, and then David becomes king. And David becomes king, and David rules, and we, we know God gives David the plans for the temple. I'm just speeding things along here. And after David, it was king... Solomon, King Solomon, if you uh, can, King Solomon. And so here's the thing with Solomon. The Bible talks about how Solomon was wise and he, he, uh, he was the wisest man in the land and, and he was the richest man in the land and, and there's still songs and fables written about King Solomon to this day. There are other religions that will not debate the fact that Solomon was the wisest and the richest king in all the earth. I'm like, well, of course, because that's what the Bible says. But Solomon had an issue, and the Bible says that his heart was carried away to all, all these different wives, and what Solomon did was reestablish what God told him not to do in the verse that she just read. And he went and built these high places, okay? Everybody say high place. And, and these, every wife that had a God that was different from the rest, he built an altar and a high place for her to worship these other gods. This is a man of God. This is a king that, the, that, that has been appointed by the Lord, but yet he is leading his people astray. And I come to tell you today that just because we're pastors doesn't mean that we have everything together. 
Oh, come on, somebody. The Bible says the spirit of a prophet is subject to the prophets. Sometimes a prophet needs a prophet. Sometimes a pastor needs a pastor. Sometimes an evangelist needs evangelist. You get where I'm going with this. Sometimes a teacher needs a teacher. But this is how the body of Christ operates. And so Solomon built these high places. And from this point on, after Solomon becomes king uh, and, and he ends his reign, now we have a division in Israel. We have a divide between the north kingdom and the southern kingdom. In the north, we have ten tribes. In the south, we have two, uh, Benjamin and Judah. And in the north, the rest of the ten tribes are there. And they have their system of kings. And the, in the south, they have their system of kings. But I want you to know, after 30 kings, there was not one that was righteous in the north. Isn't it amazing? Because, see, God wrote back in Numbers and in Deuteronomy that if you're going to have a king, if he's going to be legit, he's going to come from the tribe of? He's going to come from a tribe of Judah. Judah was the only part of Israel that was able to produce good kings. As a matter of fact, if I skip the story a little bit, 40 and two generations later in the town of Bethlehem, out from the Virgin Mary, was born another king. And the Bible declares that he's the lion of the tribe of You see how God kind of just sets things up? And then we have these college professors and these educated people. Oh, the Bible's just a fable. It's just a good book. No, it's not really. It's not a good book. It is the word of God. And when we begin to comprehend the things that God speaks and they begin to jump in our spirit, I'm telling you that you can look at your situation. You can look at your circumstance and condition and begin to speak what God spoke to you and you can watch it change. This is what the enemy doesn't want you to know. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, I've preached this time and time again. I love this book. I love this verse. Uh, the, the, the scripture tells us that when the lion roars, who can but uh, fear? It's the natural reaction. If you watch the National Geographic channel, you'll see the gazelle pop out of the forest. You'll stick your head around. No, no lion here. But really the lion's lying in wait. And when the gazelle goes down and gets a drink of water, if the lion's lazy and doesn't want to run, he has another tactic. It's called roar. And so the lion will sneak up behind the gazelle and then he'll roar. Somebody roar. roar. Y'all need lunch. <laughs> but when he'll make this, he'll make this roar, this loud sound, and the gazelle will freeze. And the lion will go, that's lunch. Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of, but of what? power you see fear comes to paralyze in other words fear comes to remove your ability or your power to move and the first thing that God gives us to combat fear is what power and when you have the word of God and when things begin to happen in your situation the enemy flares up and puts you in conditions and circumstances where you should be afraid the word of God moves on the inside of you and you say wait I will not be afraid show me this giant who dares to come against the armies of the Lord said this little shepherd boy David let me go to the river and pick up five stones you come against me with shield and a spear but I come against you in the name of the Lord We've got to realize as a church in America today, we serve a living and a true God. I will preach this till I'm blue in the face. I'm going to put a little tape recorder. When I, when I die, I'll put a little tape recorder in my pocket. I just want somebody to hit play. God is the God of the living and not the dead. 
and just put me on repeat. Lower me in there and put it on repeat because I may be dead now. That may be my situation, my circumstance and conditions. But Thessalonians tells me that God, that Jesus will ascend from heaven with a loud shout in the voice of the archangel saying, get up, come up hither. And the dead and the sound of the trumpet is going to blow and the dead in Christ are going to get up. And then I'll hit stop and say, I told you so, and go on to glory. And Isaiah, he, he, the, the Lord removes, he, he removes a, a portion of heaven and he sets it down in the earth for Isaiah to see. And then God pushes back the veil that separates the, what I call reality is what we deal with from actuality. That means the things that God knows, he can, what, what, the things that God knows that he can do. It's called actuality. That's what God's looking at. He doesn't see the struggle with the bank. He doesn't see the, the struggle with this or that. What, he doesn't see the struggle with, with drugs or this and that. God looks at the cross and sees victory. And he's steady trying to get you to the foot of the cross. You don't have to believe everything everybody says about you. Come to the cross. You don't have to believe everything that everybody thinks about you. Come to the cross. The cross is the place of demarcation. You don't have to leave it the same way you came. And Isaiah looks and this beautiful, elegant, elaborate display begins to, begins to, to play out in front of Isaiah. And Isaiah, I, I, I just sometimes I wish I was a fly on the wall. I, I, I just wonder what in the world. You just minded your business one day and all of a sudden you get hit in the face by a cherubim swim, uh, flying like he's crazy saying, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. I imagine that Isaiah was knocked to the ground because of the power of God that was just, that was just emanating from the room. And as Isaiah uh, scrambles to, 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 to find the words in Hebrew, say, look, he could have told you in tongues, but it, it wouldn't have been good. He had to put it in, in Hebrew and translate it into English. And it said, and, and right here, and the Bible says that the cherubims flew around the altars having six wings, with two they veiled their feet, with two they veiled their face, with two they flew around saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. And then Isaiah said, and, and then the craziest thing happened, y'all. The doorpost moved at the sound of the voice of him that spoke. I'm talking about, uh, we serve the same God in here, Amen. The doorposts, you know, uh, uh, when sound, how, how many people have ever sang in front of a fan? Tell the truth, shame the devil. Yeah, you know, you, it makes that, you know, you just sit there, mom, okay, whatever. Telling too much here. But what happens is the sound is, is, is hitting sound and is creating a synergy that becomes physical. You see, this is why this is why in the book of Genesis, when God when God created a sound and said, "Let there be light," and all of a sudden, atoms and 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 matter and antimatter decided to just be created, <laughs> and they're in this little slush pool, and, and and in a millisecond, in a millisecond of a millisecond, all of a sudden they can't even figure out what they need to create, so they just go flame on, and now there's light, and God said, "Woo." That's good, but I'm going to do you one better. And three days later, he creates the sun. So for three days, there was an unexplainable, oh, come on, I love, scientists are like, well, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. It doesn't add up. No, because he's God. He's God. For three days, there's an unexplainable source of light. And the third day, God creates the sun. Because he's like, if I leave this, they're going to be baffled in 2019. So let me just create the sun. 
and the sun will rule by day. And God said it was good. But Isaiah goes and he begins to write, the doorpost moved at the sound of him that spoke. Could you imagine the sound waves from the voice of God going into those doorposts that, 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 that sometimes we're proud of. When we build buildings, we're proud of those doorposts because they're not supposed to move. Really, could you imagine coming in church one day and a door move five foot to the left? It would just be bizarre. The roof would not be able to stand. The reason that those doorposts were put there was so that they don't move. It works on a principle. It's called strongholds. Just stay with me. And as God is speaking, the doorposts just become like jelly. And Isaiah's writing, and the doorposts moved at the sound of him that spake. Because when God speaks, who can but prophesy? And when the word of God is released, it changes things. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, are you ready to be changed? These high places were places where uh, the first high place was built by Abraham, by the way, after the flood. The first high place after the flood was an altar that Abraham built. And we know the story there. God began really the storyline of what we now know as, as the redemption of not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles, those who were and those who were yet to come. The blood of Jesus Christ was more than sufficient on the cross as a sacrifice for the atonement of sins for eternity. Amen. And so... Abraham builds an, builds an altar in a high place. And at that point, it demarks that these high places are places that belong to God. They're places that are, are, that are supposed to uh, denote the supernatural where man can come to meet the divine. But after Solomon comes, he fills them with idols. And let me just tell you about some of these idols that were in these high places. One idol was a, is a Canaanite god. And his name was El. It was just pronounced El. This was the supreme head of the Canaanite pantheon of gods. He supposedly was the father of creation. He was worshipped in the high place. And then we had Baal. You know Baal. Or should I say his real name? Uh, Halal bin Shahar. Google that. It'll blow your mind. It's Lucifer. God calls him by his name one time. Halal bin Shahar. It also means the crescent moon god. Some of you get that tomorrow. Okay, just telling you what's in there. All right. And so Baal was the lord of the earth, uh, the lord of the harvest. Then they had a god named Ashtaroth. These are, the, these are where they worshipped in the high places. Ashtaroth was a god of fertility. And let me tell you, the Bible talks about Solomon, even Solomon and other kings going to these high places to worship. And you can just imagine how the god of fertility was worshipped out in the open. And make no mistake, as things were, as these high places existed, both in Israel and Jerusalem, it was entirely possible that on your way to worship at the temple, you could hear the sound of people worshiping in the high place. Uh, let's talk about Dagon. This is interesting. You know, Dagon was a merman. Some people are like, well, mer what? A merman. This is what they worshiped. Dagon was the principal god of the Philistines. He's the principal god of the, uh, of the harvest. If you, actually, if you read in 1 Chronicles 10, uh, somewhere in there, um, one of the Philistines found King Saul's body, and they, they took his head, and they fastened it in the head and, 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 into the house of Dagon. Another god, Molech, and I'm just getting over there. Uh, Molech is an Ammonite god, and this is interesting, whom children were sacrificed to. 
Somebody say high places. And unfortunately, because Solomon instituted this thing, it became a culture of normacy. People of God literally begin to have less and less of an issue with idol worship. Just, I'm going somewhere, just stay with me. They begin to have less and less of an issue with idol worship. As a matter of fact, Molech, which is one of the, the, the main gods that they sacrifice children, they would literally take these children, rip them out of the wombs of mothers, and there was a, there was a, 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 a at one point in time, they had a, uh, an idol, and it was just the palms of, of, of Molech's hands, and they were pointed down at the pit. And people would come and put their babies on these hands and the babies would roll into the pits and be consumed with fire. And it got so bad at some point, they, they hired musicians and the musicians just sang songs and blasted people with media all day long so that they would never hear the truth of what was going on. Baal went out and created some superstars, some athletes. Oh, I know. Come on, stay with me. And he put them on display. He, they put games and, and everybody was just entertained. Meanwhile, the greatest atrocity of their time was being committed right outside the house of God. Oh no, Pastor JR is about to get on that thing again. Yes, I am. We're going to talk about it. Just give me a second. Shamash, another Moabite deity. Again, they, this, the, they worshipped him by gladly taking children and throwing them literally up, 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 up so they could land in the pit. And again, this came from King Solomon reinstituting these things. And so 30, uh, uh, 30, 30 kings in Israel, you can read through First Chronicles, and this, I'm halfway through my message, you can read through First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Kings, and, and the Bible gives these little two-line uh, summaries about this king. And this king lit, reigned so many years, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, and he did not remove the high places. How many people remember reading that? And such and such did this, and he did not. Joash, go back and read about Joash. Go back and read about Amaziah. Go back and read about Uzziah. Uh, go back and read about Jotham. These kings did not remove the high places. And people continued to worship like it was their culture. It became norm, the normal. Well, I believe the high places still exist today. Turn with me to Ephesians 6. Verse number 12, and someone thundered that one. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12. We're almost through this. Everybody see that? So the writer of Ephesians in this letter to the Ephesians church or the church of Ephesus, excuse me, is saying, look, make no mistake here. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And as he begins to list the things, you know, if, I, if, if, if my battle was in, with, with flesh and blood, then let me tell you right now, I would go and study Kung Fu and whoop it. But it's not, or, or, or Krav Maga, I would go study Krav Maga and whoop it. But it's not with the flesh, it's not with blood. And, and, the, and the writer is saying, listen, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, against principalities, against rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness where? In high places. 
You see, God has given us an anointing. When Jesus died on the cross, you know, if you got to go back and read the Gospels, there are several different accounts of, which of, of the same account of when Jesus died on the cross. One account says that when he died, all the dead in the city awoke. But they laid there for guess how long? Three days. And when Jesus arose from the grave, guess what happened to the dead in the city? They got up with him. They got up with him. And so when Jesus took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, he literally gave us the victory. He literally gave us the resources. Luke 10, 19 says, behold, I give you power to tread upon the scorpion, upon the serpent, and above all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means do what? Hurt you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, we've got the power through the risen Christ. In the book of Mark, it says, and these signs shall follow them that what? Believe in my name shall they do what? Cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. I can go on and on. But the high places still exist. Now turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And we're going to read verse 1 and 2. As a matter of fact, I'll thunder this one. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, my brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a what? Living sacrifice. How? Holy and acceptable unto who? God, which is your reasonable service. Verse number 2. And be not conformed to what the things of this world but be what transform how by the renewing of your mind can i ask you a question where is the highest place on your body and this is where the struggle is oh come on somebody this is where the struggle is and then in looking at these high places where these gods were worshiped Looking at these high places, keeping in mind the high place was set up as a place to worship God. In the book of 1 Kings 18, we're supposed to go there, but I'll just tell you the story. In 1 Kings 18, there are prophets of Baal who were instituted and paid by King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. I mean Jezebel, excuse me. I get it. And they were paid. And this is what they did in Israel. They sacrificed children. They worked obscenities and abhorities in the temple of God. And God got upset with that. And so finally God said, I'm going to raise up a man by the name of Elijah. His very name in Hebrew means God is real. And I'm going to send him to prophesy to the court of government right there in King Ahab's and King and Queen Jezebel, or I should say King Jezebel, but I'm not going there. And I'm going to send him there to prophesy in their faith. And then I'm going to tell them what thus saith the Lord. Elijah said, I want y'all to meet me at the high place. And I want you prophets of Baal, I want you, I want every single one of you, you've been recruited for a specific purpose and a reason, y'all come up there and we're going to have a challenge. Whichever God answers by fire, let him be God. And see, I'm sure Baal had some scientists and they said, this is really ridiculous. In order for fire to happen, we just need two additional elements. We need oxygen, we need fuel, we need heat. That's three. See, I don't do math in public. And they tried to get their oxygen and their fuel and their heat together. But I'm telling you, they did it all morning and there was no fire. And Elijah, being the prophet that he is, he began to yell, said, hey, maybe your God is on vacation. Send them an email. Hey, maybe your God is taking a break. 
Shoot him a text message. Wake him up. And the Bible says that when there was no answer, the prophets of Baal became frustrated and confused. And so they took stones and began to cut themselves, dancing around this altar, trying to get fire to come down. And about this time, Elijah said, okay, y'all look, y'all look rough. Y'all go and take a seat. And Elijah, being God's chosen man of the hour, he said, he said now, I want y'all to bring some buckets and we're going to fill this altar with water. At that time, if you studied in history, um, uh, the prophets of Baal were known for pulling little tricks and little gimmicks as a substitute for the supernatural power of God. Does that sound familiar? I watched on YouTube this one pastor, I'm not going to call his name, but big church, huge church. And, and one day the angels came and manifested in the service, but the only place you could see the angels was on the screen. And my heart just began to break because people were so hungry for a move of God that they just fell for it. Come on, give now, give now. The angels of God are here. And, and I'm thinking, God, help us. The prophets of Baal are still here. The spirit of the Pharisees is, in fact, the prophets of Baal. You see, if you listen to the wrong source, you'll hear that, oh, this generation, this younger generation, they're just cast off. They're just rebellious. There's no way to reach them. There's no way to teach them. There's no way to keep them. I'm telling you right now, the world is lying to you so that the two generations don't meet. I guess my generation is X, so I'm going to tell you tonight, today, X marks the spot. I, I can't remember the Hebrew letter. I think it's the toe or the towel, but that's the, that's the mark that Joshua put over the, 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 the doorpost in Egypt so that the spirit of death would pass over. It was literally a cross. And I believe X marks the spot. S-P-O-T, sudden point of transformation. Sudden point of turning. How many Xers do we have in here today? Okay, some people are like, what's in? All right, let's just move right along. <laughs> Google it. Google it. But here, here in this situation, Elijah says, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of the tricks of this, this, these, this Baal culture. And I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to flood this altar with water. You see, one thing I appreciate about the generation that came before me, they taught me how to pray. I literally, are y'all with me today? The generation before me taught me how to worship. The generation before me taught me how to cast out devils. Are you with me? I remember the first time I ever cast a devil out of someone. And the mothers of the church just was praying for their deliverance. And they say, hey, you, young man, you need to learn how to do this so you can teach other people. And I've been teaching other people for 25 years. And Elijah steps back and he prays 60 words. And fire falls from heaven. And consumes the sacrifice. I believe the high places today have, have transferred to strongholds. I believe the high places today has transferred to respectable sins. That's what Billy Graham said they were. He calls them respectable sins. You see, we'll preach against cigarettes. We'll preach against alcohol. But we won't touch lust. We won't touch perversion. We won't touch pornography. We won't touch the real sins that are, are, are come on, somebody. That uh, You won't hear this at the big churches. Let me tell you, all the churches that preach the lovey-dovey, kiss and huggy, sugar daddy, lollipop, bubblegum gospel, they are full to the brim every Sunday. And the other churches that don't preach the greasy grace and the sloppy agape, you can throw a brick in there and wouldn't hit anybody. 
Why is it so? It's because the, 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 the enemy at the time of uh, Malachi and Matthew, the enemy switched strategies. He stopped attacking churches and started joining them. And now we have people, you, you know, in this, I can list for you 100, almost, almost 100 different colleges, universities, online institutions, where you can get a degree in English literature and never read Shakespeare. Can you believe that? You could never have to open up Shakespeare, but you can get a degree in literature. Absurd. Do you know that there are biblical institutions and colleges that you can go to in this country and you can get a degree in theology and pastoral studies and never read the Bible? And these same preachers, how many saw this crazy article? These are the same preachers who are going to abortion clinics because they wrote a song called God Bless This Space. These are the same people who are shouting from the rooftops and encouraging the church to embrace sin. Oh, it's okay. We can have homosexual preachers. We can have homosexual ministers. We can have homosexual uh, minister uh, uh, marriages. I know I'm getting some crazy looks, but I'm going to preach on anyway. Because let me tell you, I'm prepared to go to jail. I'm prepared. Take me. Because I know God, I know a God who can do a little jailhouse rock. And at midnight, Paul and Silas were locked in jail, and one began to sing a song, and the other began to pray. Come at me, bro. We cannot continue to allow the prophets of Baal to herd us into this building under this roof Sunday after Sunday and be perfectly accepted with no change. My next slide. This is my first closing. I want to talk about seven high places of culture. You see, when the fire of God came down, when the fire of God came down and consumed the altar, what Baal, what the prophets of Baal had meant for bad, God had turned it around for good. He said, no, this altar, I'm making these high places, once again, I'm making him a place where man can come to meet the divine. And once again, we're going to thunder from these mountains. Everywhere the church has removed its influence, we have lost control of the culture. So the seven places, the seven high places of influence, which I believe God is calling us to go back into and, and call down the fire of God so that the Lord can reverse the curse and change the culture. Now, I know some of you are looking at me, and I've heard it from some of us. Well, Pastor JR, you know it's just going to get worse. It's just going to get bad. We appreciate everything you're doing and getting the young people riled up about revival coming to America, but you shouldn't get your hopes up to What Bible are you reading? That might be the Book of Mormon. Uh, <laughs> No, you know what my Bible says? God says, listen, not only is God a, a loving God, you see, any gospel that preaches the grace of God absent the wrath of God is a false gospel. God does not like sin. He has never been cushiony to sin. And we got preachers out there who are preaching this mess, and people are being led astray. They're being led astray. God has never been cushioning the sin. As a matter of fact, just so you can be free from it, in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that we can be free from the curse of sin and sickness. The first mountain that we've actually lost influence as, as a church is the church. When we have pastors, who, uh, they, uh, they took a survey. George Barna took a survey. And as I, don't, I, try, and as I read it, my heart began to break. Preachers literally afraid to preach the truth. You see, in Virginia, uh, uh, I'm going to be skipping around these mountains. So I'll be coming around the mountain when I come back, okay? <laughs> so 
in Virginia, and it's so sad that these law, that we again, we missed it by one vote. If it was not for that one vote, we, 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 would, have, we would have uh, uh, not just partial birth abortion, but we could have legalized infanticide. Literally taking the babies after their mother has given birth to them. You heard the governor of Virginia? Well, we're going to keep the baby comfortable. We're giving a blanket, and then the mother and the father, or, or the mother and the doctor, will go outside and have a conversation. Are you getting it, yeah. Molech? Yes. But we can't see it because we got football stars and athletes telling us, "Hey, it's a woman's right." Jr., did you just preach? I did. We don't hear it because we got. Christina, I'm not going there. Just whatever. We got the prophets of Baal and their ushers pumping 24-7 into our house. We won't pray over our children, but we'll let Eminem speak over them. Oh, come on. They can't remember Psalms 100, but they can remember every verse in this one rap song. Or every verse in this one song that's encouraging them to not present their bodies as a living sacrifice. And then when the inevitable happens, oh, can, I, can we just be honest? This isn't, a, this isn't one of those it's your fault words. This is a God help us word. We've given up our influence over the church and we've allowed the church to tell us how to worship God. How are you going to get on television and tell me that God's a loving God and he's just going to look over your sin? Are you? Three, two, one. One, two, three. What the world is bothering me? And, some, and we believe it. There are churches that refuse to preach the truth. Also, they tried to, and, and I'm, Lord, help me. You just listen to what I'm saying. I've seen some people come to talk. I've seen the Facebook post, and they're supporting this, this, uh, this uh, Equal Rights Amendment. Yeah. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, if that amendment ever passes, it has nothing to do with homosexuality. It has to do with the enslavement of church. The only reason that America has not gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs is because, well, we kind of have, but we, we can still change. It's because the church still exists. It's because the intercessors are still here, and they're mad at us. Oh, every time we put, that's hate speech. No, it's not hate speech. It's love. God so loved the world. Yes, God loves homosexuals, but he hates homosexuality. God, God hates abortion, but he loves, uh, he loves the women. He loves the, the people who have participated, and he wants to redeem you. He wants to save you. He wants to heal you. He wants to turn your life around. He wants to, to heal that pain. He wants to use you to stop the flow of, of children being sacrificed to Molech. But we, if we keep listening to the world... Oh, that's it. No, it's not. Listen, if you don't like the way you were born, be born again. The second mountain of influence is family. Genesis 1. I, I'm going to run. I'm going to run. Just stay with me. In Genesis 1, the Bible says in verse number 26, and God created man, male and female created he them. Okay, and you skip over to Genesis chapter 2. I'm not sure what verse it's in there, but just go over there. And then you read another verse. For this cause shall a man leave his what? Mother and father and do what? Cleave to his what? Wife. If there is no leaving, there is no cleaving. I'm going to talk to the men here. 
It is our duty and our responsibility to set the spiritual pace for our family. And the moment, come, amen. And the moment that we allow the government, the moment we allow some rap star, the moment we allow some other person to have influence over our children more than we do, then we have successfully abdicated the place where God has given us and he's going to hold us accountable. Pastor Chris, my youth pastor back in the day, preached this message and, and, and he, he made a video about it and where this dude shows up to, to, to this, this dude uh, shows up to, to knock on the door. His girlfriend's in the house, but instead of asking for his daughter, he asked, he asked her father to borrow the car. And the father goes, are you out of your, you crazy? No, you're not. You know, and the kid's standing there looking like he just hopped off the back of a pickup truck going 90 miles an hour. He just looks crazy. And then, I'm not giving you my car. Are you crazy? And then the same scenario plays out again. The, son, the dude goes back to the door and he knocks on it. And he, the father opens the door. Can I help you? Yes, I'd like to take your daughter on a date. And he says, Sarah, we'll, we won't let them touch our car. But we'll let them date our daughter. Are y'all with me? Is this too much? It is up to the man to, 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 to affirm the sex of the child. You are a girl. You are a boy. There are only two genders. Oh, no, there's 250 genders. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. No, there's only two. Male and female created he them. And by passing, I just want you to know, if they pass that equal, then what I just said I could be arrested for in Virginia. They would haul me off to jail. And I'd be singing, I'd go if I have to go by myself. I'll go. Okay, I'm not going to say. And so in that one verse, God now prescribes the pattern of marriage from that couple on. And the funny thing is, he said, for this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. Adam didn't have a father. Eve didn't have a mother. And but yet God is looking into the future and he knows that one day in 2019, one of the most hotly contested debates in this country and the world is if marriage is between a man or a woman. It's so quiet. And so God said, for this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. Third, the third, education. Do you know that there are actually several many, uh, if that's a term, school systems that have outsourced their sexual education to Planned Parenthood? Have y'all heard the video? Have you seen the video that they're playing in public schools? Come see me after, after the service. I know we got little ones in here today. But it is the most grotesque incomprehensible thing they're teaching our children that it's okay to not be this and not be that you were born a boy but it's okay if you feel like you need to be a girl we're living and thriving in an education system that is attacking the masculinity of the male we can't be masculine anymore we can't do this anymore we can't do that look let me tell you something when Jesus was, he was chilling with John the Baptist. And if you, read that, if you read that passage in John, you'll discover that Jesus was actually there the entire time John the Baptist was preaching. We, we have this sense that he showed up one day and John saw him come. No, he was there the entire time. And John looks at him and said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. This is the man I've been preaching about. And he goes and he baptized. John said, Jesus baptized me. Jesus said, no, John, you baptized me. 
And so John baptizes Jesus, and then the Father, everybody say the Father. Father. What does the Father do next? He spoke, and what did he say? This is my... It is the job of the Father to confirm the sex of the child. This is my Son, and who I am well pleased. This is my daughter, who I am well pleased. I'm training her to be a daughter of the Lord. I'm training her to be a princess because her true father is a high king. And there are some things that she can't do. It may be okay for everybody else to do, but it's not okay for her. And if the world thinks I'm crazy for it, then let them think it. Government. God is raising up Elijah. He wants to raise up Elijah to go back to the church and declare what thus saith the Lord. He wants to raise up Elijah and the family to go back to the family. There is such a war for the family. Oh, 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 hear me, hear me, church. I might just stay right here and close it right here. There is such a war for the family. The war is for your seed. The enemy wants nothing more. Let me tell you something. If John the Baptist could be filled with the Holy Ghost in the womb, think about it. If, 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 if I have something wrong, if I have asthma or something and I have a child, the chances of that child having asthma, it, it, it multiplies by a factor of whatever it multiplies by because it's, it gives, it, it's from the DNA. Are you with me? Yes. Well, guess what? If you have the gift of prophecy and you give birth to a child, guess what? They got it too. Yeah. Oh, come on, somebody. In government. I've, I've, I traveled this uh, two weeks ago. I, I went from Richmond to Raleigh, from Raleigh to Charlotte, from Charlotte to Atlanta, and from Atlanta to Birmingham, Alabama. And in each place, we prayed and we had a prayer meeting. And somebody thought it was a good idea to let this guy talk at the press conference. I said, are you sure you want me to talk? Because I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to tell you right now what the, and they, they, they did it. They gave me the microphone, and here is Pastor J.R. Gurley, and he's going to, I said, I want you to know right now, the Bible says in John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I come to tell you today that Jesus is pro-life. And I went, oh, come on, somebody. And I went for it, man. I, I told, I went for it. And for this cause, I sent the son of God. I sent the man, the man of God, Christ into the world to destroy the works of darkness. And I believe God has called us to destroy the works of darkness in these high places. You're not going to be able to sacrifice children to Malek while I'm still here. In government. I was, at a, I was at a prayer meeting the other day, and the former lieutenant governor of a state, uh, he came and he took, he took the stance, and he began to pray. And I'm telling you, my eyeballs nearly dropped out of my head when I heard him talk about the blood of Jesus and begin to plead the blood. And he began to pray that God would raise up in Congress. God would raise up spirit field. I'm in a room full of believers, most of them millionaires, and he's sitting here leading them in the prayer, and they are crying out to God for him to raise up Elijah's it's not where is the God of Elijah it's where are the Elijah's of God he was saying God raise them up and let them thunder I was like man this is great but how many know we need spirit-filled representatives 
I'm telling you right now, when God begins to raise up his people to run for office, it's our job to get behind them and support them. Because there is a, yes, there is an agenda from the enemy to silence the voice of the church, to wipe out its influence, and to get us converted over to a secular mindset. But I'm telling you right now, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. It's time out for all. We shouldn't get involved in politics. Oh gosh, please help me, Holy Ghost. The longer we sit in silence, we give our approval. I worked law enforcement for eight years. I had a revelation one day as I was pulling court duty and the judge began to swear everybody in who was going to testify in this case. And I noticed that one man didn't raise his hand. And before the judge went on, he said, young man in the back, I noticed that you didn't raise your hand and you didn't swear. But I also want you to know but that by your silence, you give consent. And I'm telling you, I, I must have heard, I must have, the spirit of God, so, whoo, wow. By your silence, you give consent. Not anymore. I don't care if they call me a big mouth. I'm going to scream until I can't scream no more. I'm going to yell until I can't yell no more. I do not want it be, to be said of me that I sat back and did nothing because I had a good job. I had a large 401k and I didn't want to mess up anybody's feather or offend people. Let me tell you right now, Jesus preached a message that was so offensive to the world. They crucified him. <laughs> they crucified him. And I'm telling you right now, if this, this, I'm just going to name it, this progressive Christianity, this easy believism that is coming from pulpits all over this country, it's not like this in China. It's not like this in Indonesia. It's not like this in India. It's only like this here. If, 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 if I'm telling you right now, if they preached half the things, that come out of pulpits nowadays, the, the Pharisees would have never killed them. They would have promoted them and given them a bigger, a bigger church. I'm going to stop right here. <laughs> Media, arts, and business. One of the primary tools of the prophets of Baal to keep the people of Israel from knowing the truth was they employed musicians. And they just blasted people with music for 24 hours a day so they could not hear the cries of the screaming children. And I'm telling you right now, we are falling prey to the world because we won't stand up and say no. The world is coming unchecked and unchallenged in our schools. It, man, let me tell you, I would, I'd, be, I'd be at the principal's office every day. What did you teach my son? What did you teach my daughter? Did you teach them that? It, did you hand out some particular items that they have no business having? Without my permission, you know they can do that without your permission. Did you write them a recommendation to go down to a clinic to have a surgical procedure without my permission? Folks, I'm telling you right now, not a, we need to hold the government accountable. We need to hold our authorities accountable. And as of today, we need to hold the church accountable. <laughs> be not conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your spirit. We have a duty. The word e e e ecclesia, or e e ecclesia, ecclesiastes is where we get that word from. It means the government of God. We're his government. You can look back in the Old Testament. There were prophets who did nothing but prophesy to the government. 
There were prophets who prophesied to the church. There were prophets who prophesied to the economy. And so this mantra of separation of church and state was really should be separation of church and snakes because those are the people who are preaching this, this, this horrible message is refuge. No, I have a right to pray. I have a duty to pray for my leaders. I have a duty to speak up. I have a duty to vote. I have a duty to let my voice be heard. I have a duty to protect my family. And not only am I going to protect them here in the church, but I'm going to begin to oppose laws and oppose legislation in the land that's going to, uh, going to enslave my children and the generations after them. The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children's children. God, raise up Elijah's. Come on, just pray with me. God, raise up Elijah's. Wake us up, God. Wake us up. When I was in Atlanta or Birmingham, Alabama, every one of these abortion clinics that they, that they were building, this is why I went. We learned that Planned Parenthood had bought through subsidiaries of subsidiaries. They didn't even want to show their true face. And every single one of these places are within nearly a rock's throw of a church. The one in Richmond is right across the street from the historical Mount Olivet Baptist Church. 10,000 square feet plus. It's an abortion factory. In an all-black neighborhood, 9% of the American population has almost 40% of all abortions because that's what they intended to do. I wear a bracelet on my arm. It says, in black genocide. And don't, please don't get me wrong. I'm not, this is not an Afrocentric thing. This is just intelligence. This is just numbers. If we can get the truth to the black community, we could end abortion, period, in this country. The one in Birmingham, Alabama is, you can literally step at the end of the street and look to the left and you can see the famous 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. The one in Charlotte is in the oldest black neighborhood in the state, steps away from a church. And the church has said thus far and no more. We're not going to let them come into our communities and destroy our families. Pastor in Birmingham, Alabama, got up to give his testimony and he repented to everyone. And he said he believed the lie. He preached the lie that unplanned pregnancies would destroy the, the economic future of a family. And therefore he sent, he drove people to the clinics. And he said one day the Lord got a hold of his heart. And said, why? Like he did Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Why are you destroying me? And the Lord broke his heart open and he laid there for days in repentance. And then he found out about what Planned Parenthood was doing. And so he took his entire church. I think there was 1,500 of them. He took them to the city meeting. It wasn't even on the agenda. The city had no idea they were coming. But 1,500 Holy Ghost filled people walked. They called police. They didn't know what was going on. And the pastor simply got up to the microphone and he said this. He said, I'm a pastor. This is my church. 
And I want you to know that if you pass this measure and give them the license and the permit that they need to build this facility, next year, none of you will be here because we have enough in this room right now to vote you out of office. And they had a moment of clarity and they revoked that permit. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's time to be the church. Stand to your feet with me. It's time to be the church. My heart broke the other day, last week, as I read as three pastors, three sort of uh, quasi-prominent pastors in Detroit, Michigan, were arrested on child trafficking charges. They were literally taking the children from their church and children out of the social services department that their church took care of and they were selling them to, to the highest bidder. And my heart broke. You see, the high places are still there. And there's more pressure than ever before for us to accept it as normal. But I'm here to tell you I am a countercultural warrior. I don't care what the football players say. He ain't dying across from me. I don't care what the politician says. They didn't die on the cross for me. I have a mandate from a living God who is watching and who is listening and who is speaking. Who am I to disobey the living God? Who am I to turn a deaf ear because it's popular? I'm not, I, I'm, I refuse to preach in a way to please the idols in other people's life. God, if I ever get to that point, take me out. We've got to take this thing seriously. The power is in the church. The fire is in the church. And if we can get over ourselves long enough, if we can get over the air conditioner, if we can get over the loudness of the sound system, if we can get over the uncomfortability of the pews and sitting here for two hours in a service, and we can meet the divine, if we can touch the hem of his garment, if we can grab a hold of the horns of the altar and let the word of God run through us and change everything. God, do it. Lord, do it. Do it in us, God. Do it in us, Jesus. Do it today. Do it right now. I invite you to the altar right now. If you feel the Spirit of the Lord just tugging at your heart, I invite you to come right now and find a place. God is raising up some Elijahs. This is the hour. And when God is raising up the people who don't care what people say about them, who don't care how many Facebook friends and Twitter friends they lose because they stand firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the Lord ascends from heaven, when I stand before Jesus, I want him. When I stand before God, I want him to look at me and say, well done. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you, you nursed me back to health. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. And when I was innocent, you protected me. Father, raise up Elijah's and every one of these mountains, God. Raise up unsuspecting Elijah's. Raise up unlikely Elijah's. Raise up, Father, people 
who are not afraid of what the world says, who will not buckle to pressure, who will not give in to Jezebel, raise up strong men and women of God who keep themselves pure and undefiled before the Lord. Raise them up, God, and let them prophesy. Let them call down the fire in the church. Let them call down the fire in the family. Let them call down the fire in the school system. Let them call down the fire in the government. Let them call down the fire in media, in arts, in entertainment, in sports. And let them call down the fire in business. Come on, lift your hands all over this place. We're just going to surrender to God, Father, right now. If you've been speaking to us, God, in times past and we have not heeded your word, God, we repent right now. And we say, use us, God. Use us, God. Use us, God. Send me. Send me. Send me. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. If they put me in jail, I'll still preach. If I become unpopular, I'll still preach. If they walk out on me in my sermons, I'll still preach. I don't want to be a normal pastor. I don't want to be a professional minister. I want to be a son of Zadok. I'm tired of the games. I'm tired of the gimmicks. I'm tired of the fashion shows. I'm tired of the internal fighting over codes to alarms and keys to doorknobs. I put all that aside, Jesus. I throw it at your feet, God. And I say, have mercy, God. I plead for mercy for my generation. I plead for mercy, God, for the church. I plead for mercy, God, for America. I plead for mercy, God, for Virginia. And I say, God, raise us up to prepare the way of the Lord. Give us dreams. Give us visions. Unlock our purpose, Father. Unlock our purpose, Jesus. Oh, I hear you, Holy Spirit. Father, I pray right now that every spirit that exalts itself above the throne of God Right now, in the name of Jesus, we command you to loose God's people right now. Come off of them in the name of Jesus. Father, begin to set people free right now in the name of Jesus. Begin to break addictions right now to drugs, pornography, alcohol. Break it in the name of Jesus. Loose that prophet and let him go. There's, there may be some people in here today. And you've just acquiesced to the lie of the enemy. It's going to be like this the rest of my life. I'm going to have this struggle the rest of my life. I'm telling you right now, he came to set the captive free. You don't have to leave here the same way you came. God is not afraid of your struggle. He's not afraid of your condition. He's not afraid of your stronghold. And today, if you surrender to him, he will set you free. He will break every yoke. He'll break every, every chain. If there's anyone in here struggling with homosexuality, I want you to know God wants to set you free. You can be free. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what Ted Koppel and Peter Jennings have said. Jesus said you can be free. In the name of Jesus. Come on, everybody just stretch your hands right now. I feel a deliverance bomb. 
I feel a wave of deliverance about to overtake this place. Right now, alcohol, drugs, lust, pornography, it's being broken in the name of Jesus. Broken depression, broken in the name of Jesus. Broken in the name of Jesus. Darkness, torment, broken in the name of Jesus. There it is. Broken in the name of Jesus. Receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it. Loose. Loose God's people and let them go in the name of Jesus. Loose God's people now in the name of Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Jesus. There's somebody in here. You've been suffering with unexplainable uh, pain, unexplainable conditions. And I'm here to tell you right now. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. This is a demonic spirit due to unforgiveness and bitterness and hatred. But if today you will repent in this moment, as I'm talking to you right now, the pain is flaring up. I don't know who you are, but I'm telling you right now, if you allow God to move on your heart and you release those people who have harmed you, Jesus. Devil, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Devil, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. We come against the spirit of lies. We come against the spirit of religion right now. Who just wants to keep everything like it's been before. Because it's the path of least resistance. I come against that mindset in the name of Jesus. Do it right now, Jesus. Come on, just surrender to him. I dare you. I dare you. You don't have to leave here the same way you came. Surrender to him right now. Tell him, God, I'm tired of running. I've tried everything, like the woman with the issue of blood. I tried the doctor. I've tried the psychologist. I've tried drugs. I've tried everything, and nothing works. I still have a hole in my heart. But today, I'm going to surrender to you, Jesus. Come on, give it to him right now. Come on, young person. Be free right now. Show. Oh, Father, raise up the men. Raise up the men of God. Raise up the priests of God. Raise up the women of God. Raise them up, God. Raise up the mothers to teach the younger ladies. Raise up the fathers to teach the younger men how to be men and not be ashamed. How to be women and not be ashamed. Jesus, 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 myself away. So you me. Give myself away. Give myself surrender to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. Give 
against spirits of rage abuse and anger see while this is happening right now what the spirit of God is doing is whispering to me because God is so concerned with you that he doesn't want you to leave here the same way you came there's someone there's might be multiple people in here today that you've been given to outburst of anger and rage uncontrollable rage and you've yeah You've hurt those around you, whether you intended to or not. You've even hurt your and harmed yourself. But today, God is here. The Spirit of God is here. And if you surrender to Him, you're going to feel that thing break off of you now. And God is going to give you the peace that you've been looking for. Surrender to Him now. Spirit of the living God, we come against anger. We come against rage. We come against abuse right now and we say, we recognize, we discern your hand in these people's lives. And today we declare to you that they are property of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we command you in the name of Jesus to pack up every one of your weapons and go now in Jesus' name. Now in Jesus' name. And Father, you raise up that husband to love the wife as Christ loved the church. Let love once again flow in that home, God, we pray in Jesus' name. time just lift your hands all over this place and just surrender to him one more time God whatever you will whatever's left God you just begin to work with it now let nothing be hidden from you let no one be hidden from you God that all who want to be free can be free in Jesus name give him some praise hallelujah glory to your name father everyone here to adopt a new mindset social media school systems arts entertainment they're all blasting every day continuously that you're a victim but I'm telling you Jesus said in this life you're going to have tribulation but fear not because I have overcome the world and I encourage you change the atmosphere in your home if you're a father and you haven't talked to your children about sex or you haven't talked to them about the life issues I encourage you be filled with the boldness of God and let that enemy know that he is not going to access your family without first coming through you but I encourage you be the man of God set times in your home for prayer I don't care if you have to take everybody's cell phone. You know what you should do? Just change the internet password in the house. 
Your children will come out of their rooms then. And don't give them the password of the day until they come and spend some time with you in the word of God. Well, Pastor JR, I don't know what to teach them. Look, in the hour when you need, the Spirit of the Lord will give you what to say. Take no thought what you ought to say. Just sit down and open the Bible and read some verses and let the Holy Spirit use you. You see, there's this, there's this fear. I, I can't explain it, but there's a fear sometimes that exists between fathers and children where they feel like they cannot break those barriers and be leaders. No. If their boyfriend is no good, tell them. If their girlfriend is no good, tell them. Either get a job and build a house and support them. But if you're going to be in this one, you're going to do what I say. In love. And Father, may we change the culture of family right here in WOW. May we change what's celebrated. What we may we change what's communicated. With your help with your strength, with your power in Jesus' name. One more time, give God some praise. <laughs> Pastor Norman, if you'll, Pastor Rush, if you'll come, God bless you.